Have you ever had a time where you have experienced a memory just come flooding back to you? As if it was just yesterday, even if many years or even decades have passed since that time. I had that happen a couple weeks ago. I was here worshiping at 10th and I was uh, singing my songs right back there and I was I knew that I was going to be talking about spiritual friendship in a little while. And as I was praying and singing, I just had this memory of myself at about age 15 come flooding back to my mind. I've got a picture of myself probably around that same time here for you to look at. (laughs) I, uh, I remember being in the car as my single mom drove me around the community where I grew up. And... And this moment is striking to me because as she drove me around, I remember thinking it was really important for me to figure out why I existed. (laughs) I I was wrestling with my purpose in life and who I was, and, and I was asking God about it. And what made it striking to me, made it memorable even all these years later, is I felt that day like God had given me an answer of sorts. And I was unimpressed. (laughs) I didn't like the answer I heard. I felt like I heard the Spirit say, I have simply designed you to be someone's friend. A friend. (laughs) I was not feeling inspired or encouraged about that. I found myself thinking that was really unimpressive. And I was a young person who had had my whole life changed by God's love. I knew that God loved me and I loved God. And I was being discipled and loved by a people who loved God. And they were changing me. They were teaching me how to do life and relationship differently than what I saw at home or on my screens But as I was wrestling with what I heard from God, I also had a whole lot of other voices, powerful images, media in my life telling me what I needed to do and be in order to measure up. And today, in our digital age, we have oh so many more voices and images. And I felt that being a friend was not nearly enough (laughs) compared to all of that. And so I remember as my mom drove, I just said to her, sometimes I feel like God just made me to be someone's friend. Well, we are in this sermon series and we're reflecting on spiritual practices that have been put into action for Jesus followers throughout the centuries, drawing us to Christ and teaching us to become more like him. And as Craig mentioned, we've already had a few weeks, we're wrapping up today, and we've been looking at how we need to value the importance of scripture in our spiritual lives, the importance of silence and solitude, the importance of fasting, and today we're talking about community or in-person connections. But it's just not any kind of community we're talking about. We're talking about living in bold community, And we're going to be looking at how God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit teach us in relationship how to do relationship together in an altogether different way than the world or our digital devices might suggest is possible. 
And I'm gonna be sharing out of God's word throughout our time together, but I'm gonna really root a lot of what we talk about in the passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. And we're gonna look at it together using Eugene Peterson's The Message. And I'm gonna read it a couple times. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Do you hear it? Do you hear how we're encouraged to live together differently because we're showing up different because of what Christ has done in us? I want you to hear this again, but this time I want you to think through the lens of this internal landscape that God is changing and how it impacts our external interactions in community. Listen to this. So let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Did you hear it? We're being told that Christ is doing a work in us that changes the way we show up in the world. But if there's one thing I want you to hear from me today, I want you to hear this simple fact. Our souls need friends. Our souls need friends. And we are created for bold community. And as I've been reflecting on this passage, I've been thinking about three key themes that have been rising up to the surface for me in my prayers. And I want you to hear this throughout what we talk about today. We become a people who dare to be living with an audacious authenticity in Christ. Authentic in the way we show up. We become a people who are trusting in the faithfulness of the Father. And we become a people who are reflecting the radiance of the Spirit in our time together. God is on the move among us together as we show up. So I have a question for you. When was a time that you saw somebody enter into the room and you had a sense they knew they were presentable on the inside and the out? When was a time that you saw someone come in and show up to the world a little bit different because you had a sense they knew they were fully accepted as they were. It's a sight to behold. (laughs) I was thinking about when it is that I've seen something like that. And I served as a children's pastor in a small, strong congregation in the city years ago, uh, not that far from here. And my boys were quite a bit younger now. They're in university now, but they were young kids. And we would sometimes put on family events. And 
This one night, I put on a talent show, and some of us brought songs, and there were those who brought choreography and instruments to play. We, we had a great artist in our community who had graduated from Emily Carr Art Institute, and, and he uh, schooled the youth in being able to create these humble cardboard creations with original cartoons, and we put it all over the wall. That was great. But I'll never forget the thing that really stands out to me about that night was one preschooler named Finian, who I lovingly called Little Mr. Finfin. And Little Mr. Finfin let his family know that there was no way this event was going to happen without him on the front lines. He wanted that talent show to include his talent on full display. What was his talent, you wonder? <laughs> Well, he told his parents just moments before the start that they needed to play his favorite Coldplay song so that he could dance his heart out. Completely impromptu dance moves. He jumped wherever his heart told him he should. I can honestly close my eyes today, years later, hear the melody in my ear, and I can see little Mr. Finfin moving around that room. Every now and then, he would stop and with a big grin on his face, he would move back and forth, back and forth, like he had these invisible waves and wind under his arms. And it was a sight to behold. And I've been thinking about how I stood in the back of that room, watching everyone, intergenerational onlookers, watching it happen, and I knew I was standing in a holy moment. Because Finn Finn knew he was loved by God. He showed up to the world that day knowing he was presentable inside and out, like our scripture in Hebrews suggests we should or could or can. And he knew he was in a room with God's people, and he knew he was loved by Christ's and Christ's community. And it changed the chemistry in the room. There was this freedom and hope, and man, was there this contagious joy have you seen a joy like that show up in the room? It changed me. I still remember it. I'm talking about it today. It changed others in that room. And I can joyfully say, layer by layer of life in relationship, it changed him. He's not so little anymore. He starts university next year. But Finian knows he is loved by Christ. And he is loved by Christ's people. So I want you to have that image in your mind as you imagine the work that God does in us, making us a people who show up different in the world, presentable inside and out. It is all gift, all the time. But life does not always feel like a gift, does it? You know, some of you may have times and seasons where you feel like you're disconnected from community where you feel uh, loneliness. This is true in our world. This is true in me. This is true in you. Many of you are probably familiar with uh, what medical professionals and social scientists are calling an epidemic of loneliness. A lot of people are talking about it. And I was listening recently to a podcast that I've, I've listened to once before, but it's powerful. It, it has uh, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy speaking on the science of loneliness. And he was describing some of the findings that came out of a Brigham Young University study that, that said that the participants 
showed a, a more dramatic impact in their lives, a negative impact from loneliness, than if they were people who smoked 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness had an even greater impact on the people in the study than those who were struggling with substance abuse. Loneliness had an even greater impact on the people in the study, and it affected their overall well-being and their, their wellness, their health, and even their potential longevity. But what made this most remarkable is that rather than simply speaking as somebody who was an expert on the topic, Vivek shared how for himself as a professional physician, he had had a time in his life where he moved to a different place geographically and he got disconnected from his network of connections. And he shared all the obstacles we feel in being able to reach out and get the help we need when we're lonely. And he shared that it wasn't until he was feeling so much shame in his disconnect that he, he had a colleague remind him how much social connection mattered and how much he mattered. And he wrote a book called Together, where he writes about how we were designed for social connection. What if I could tell you that there is something you can do today that would dramatically impact your health, your wellness, and the longevity, potential longevity of your life. Listen to this. Our souls need friends. They do. Now, we've talked about how, how we can have Christ do an inner work in us that means we show up in the world different. I, I'm saying it this way. Christ loves all of us so we can live fully in his sight. These audacious, authentic, authentic people living without hiding away. But also, I want to remind us that we can be a whole people that as we pray and wait for deeper community and relationships, sometimes struggling with obstacles or loneliness, we can be a people who lean into community together and not stop showing up. You know, I have in my office this thing I've been tripping over a couple times today, <laughs> this jar of stones. And I, I had it in my office for years. I've even taken it across uh, country borders. I had it in my office in the States for years as well. Each stone, I've written the words, God keeps his promises. And there was a time when I had a, a really big group of children and families, and I passed out a stone to every single child in, in that uh, church community. And we all held it together, and we talked about what it means to be a people of God who keep gathering together, who keep showing up and reminding one another that God's promises can be trusted, that the Father is faithful. And it's like our prayers that we gather together and we, we don't do it apart, we do it together. That may even mean grieving together and not alone. This also means that rather than hiding behind our devices in our digital age, we may go ahead and use our devices not just to zone out, but to actually connect with one another. We can pray for God to remind us who it is we might send a text to today or a word of scripture to encourage them, lift them up. It may mean like the story of that physician I mentioned that we would dare to admit together in community the loneliness we're experiencing. 
You may even think of one trusted friend you would dare to call, text, or FaceTime today to tell them that up till this moment, your best kept secret is your own loneliness. We can use our digital devices even to help us draw into relationship and then to show up in person because God keeps his promises. So we've talked about how we can show up with audacious authenticity in Christ and we can also be a people reminding one another that God keeps his promises. So hold on tight. You know, God is always giving us a foretaste in his word of what he is doing. And we read throughout the scriptures the places where God was reminding his people that he was always drawing people to himself. He was always taking broken things and restoring relationship. And we see that Jesus himself was building community, oftentimes looking for those on the margins. And he showed up in the most unlikely places. And he cared about those who needed healing and homes, but he also cared about those who needed connections. He cared about their bodies and their loneliness. And this was true for the disciples of Christ as well, those who'd given up a lot to follow him. In Mark chapter 10, we read that Peter is speaking to Jesus about that very thing. He's speaking about the ways that some of the followers of Jesus have given up their homes and their networks and they followed Christ where he told them to go. But he's really speaking about his loneliness and loss as well. And we hear Jesus lean in with compassion and also with promise. Hear this. He says, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with the persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. What a promise. I was reading in a book called Participating in Abundant Life, the way that Mark Teasdale reflects on what Jesus was saying. I want you to follow along with me. Hear this. Jesus' response shows that he was more concerned with the sacrifice of the quality of life than of the standard of living. He realized that the disciples had to leave their homes, especially the people they loved, and his response was that God would recompense this by providing new relationships The disciples would be welcomed into new homes and have new brothers and sisters, mothers and children. In other words, they would be knit into new community. This was so important that Jesus dedicated most of his answer to promising this community, nearly overshadowing the brief mention of eternal life in the end of the passage. However, the fact that he connected God's provision of community in this world with the promise of future glory is notable. It shows that Jesus saw both as a part of the abundant life he brought. I love this. The kingdom of God being ushered in through Christ is not just about the next life to come. It's a bit of that overlap I was talking about. Christ is knitting us together in relationship, in community today. So we live in that abundance of life, what he's honoring us in new community today and in the next life, the abundant life he's bringing. 
He is faithful. He is doing it. He keeps his word. And sometimes that means showing up to one another even as we wait on him for that deeper community we're still praying about. But hear this. It will require us to get out of our comfort zones. It will require us to show up differently, and it may mean turning off our screens, which I struggle with most of all. (laughs) Community is a radical discipline. It comes at the cost of showing up, and community is not optional. I've been reading the verse in Matthew 18.20 a little bit differently this week. I've been reading where we are told that where two or three gather together in agreement of heart, that Christ is with us. To be honest, a lot of times we share that passage and we think about how there's power and answers to prayer when we come together. We can have our answers to prayer, but I've been reading it in just bold community that we can expect to see Christ himself speaking through the people he brings in our lives. So let's do it. Let's do it. This ancient way where Christ brings people who don't necessarily share cultural affinity or the same stories, Jesus was always showing up in the most unlikely places. And isn't that true in our lives as well? Christ showing up in unlikely relationships and places, in our soul trios, in our life groups, at such a time as this. And this this brings me to something that's my favorite to talk about. I want to talk with you about soul friends. Soul friends are what I like to say are these nearly mythical people (laughs) that God brings at such a time as this. Soul friends are people that God allows us to share our wild and messy life with. (laughs) If you can think about the ways that we sometimes bump into one another uh, in person or even online, and you think about the things that we're really struggling with, it's easy to hold them in the recesses of our bodies and our hearts. And when someone asks you how you're doing, you just say, fine, going great. Send a meme. But soul friends are this altogether markedly different people. Because rather than me being the one to say, in the midst of my struggle, how you doing, Ash? Oh, I'm doing fine. Doing great. Soul friends are the people that I know that's the very thing I need to share with them next. Because I don't want to be alone with it. And I expect and know that Christ is going to show up in our time together. And this brings me to our third theme. We've talked about how we can know Christ loves all of us so we can live fully in his sight and how we are a people that hold on tight to God's promises and the Spirit shows us how to do it. We radiate his light. We anticipate with expectancy that when we share our wild and messy lives with one another, the Spirit's gonna show up and he's always bringing together broken things and making it new. I was reading recently the way that spiritual friends are described, and and I like the way uh, James Houston writes in his book, Transforming Friendships. He describes spiritual friends three ways. He, He talks about the way that spiritual friends 
are able to speak to us about our Achilles heel. I think I have a slide here with three, three things that Houston describes spiritual friends. Spiritual friends remind us of Achilles' heel, the very place where we are bent in and causing pain to one another or to ourselves. Spiritual friends are the people who, who help us to live more emotionally mature. They, they challenge us and, and are able to name the places where we're not discovering God's best. Spiritual friends are those people that move us towards Christ, pointing to the God we worship instead of being the one to just get attention to himself or herself. This is an altogether different way to do life and relationship. And our souls need friends like this. Well, we've talked about the ways that God shows up in our lives, and we've looked at the ways that it's altogether different than the way our other relationships may go, and even in our digital life. And yeah, you see there our spiritual friends helping us with our Achilles heel, helping us with our unbalance or our need for emotional maturity, our place where he can help us to point us away from himself or herself towards the God we worship. And Henry Nouwen says this really beautifully when he describes the way we can actually become like windows into one another's souls. I'm going to ask that that slide comes up with Henry Nouwen's quote. Henry Nouwen describes the discipline of community as something that makes us persons. That is, people who are sounding through to each other a truth, a beauty, and a love which is greater and fuller and richer than we ourselves can grasp. In true community, we are windows constantly offering each other new views on the mystery of God's presence in our lives. Isn't that beautiful? We can dare to be spiritual friends on the journey with one another, doing bold community, experiencing the Spirit showing up in that time like we are just sounding into one another's life. The mystery of God's presence for such a time as this. What an honor. You know, I started today talking about that time in that car with my single mom and I was a young teenager and I felt like the Spirit was saying to me that I was designed simply to be someone's friend. I can honestly tell you, I can think of no greater calling than to be a soul friend, journeying with others, reminding someone of the presence of Christ and the Spirit's work among them at such a time as this. This isn't something we have to do. This is something we get to do. And it's something we need to do. The enemy whispers in our mind's ear, you can't talk to them about that. And the spirit is whispering in our ear, you can't stay quiet about that with them. It's a different way to show up in bold community. I want to end with this. You know, TED Talk, uh, when it 
um, looks at some of its most viewed talks throughout time. One of its top contenders is a a TED Talk by uh, Dr. Wallinger, and he wrote a book called The Good Life. And Dr. Wallinger shares out of the research uh, that he was a part of in Harvard's longest longitudinal study. And what was really striking was that they, they fo- have followed these participants for 85 years <laughs> and their children, walked with them and observed uh, their lives. And one of the things they discovered is that those with the most positive relationships experienced an increase in well-being and health and happiness. But the most striking thing was the inordinate amount of people in this study who coming at the end of their life when asked what the greatest thing they were able to experience, the thing they valued the most in the end of their days, it wasn't their stuff. It wasn't their achievements or their resumes. It wasn't their big paychecks. No, it was simply the opportunity they had to be a friend. Again and again, repeatedly, they would name what an honor it was to love well the friends that they had been given in their lifetime. And again and again, they mentioned the layer of really small actions done through an entire life because being a friend mattered most of all. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are a God who is doing an inner work in us. You are able to transform us into a people who know we are accepted. We are loved, seen, and known, and we show up in your, with your help in audacious authenticity. Lord, will you teach us in the midst of our waiting and our longing and our loneliness to lean into bold community because our souls need friends. And Lord, would you teach us to expect with joy that the best is yet to come. Because as we gather together, we become windows into the mystery of your presence among us. Lord, will you help us to 